do 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 cue intro music welcome back to sorry we're open i'm Lindsay and i'm jess and here we are my favorite thing ever that's all she has that's it that's it okay uh that was it for this week's episode <laughs> what it was a joke <laughs> <laughs> just thought i was serious i thought we we're gonna have to restart the recording <laughs> no 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 no, okay. no well hey everybody how's your week going they can't answer you jessica yeah but i hope they took a moment to think about how their week was going okay that was nice of you so before we start our episode we wanted to tell you about the cliffhanger I left. Oh my God, yeah, that was so rude of you. So, the exciting news is... We got accepted into the Lehigh Valley Podcast Festival. Insert claps. Woo! (laughs) So, sorry we're open. We'll be at the Lehigh Valley Podcast Festival. It's on March 28th. It's a Saturday. It's a Saturday, so you're free to make a trip to see us. And we'll actually be live recording an episode um, around noon. Yeah, and um, it'll be about half an hour, and it'll be great. And we're really excited. We were one of the chosen ones, so. Yeah, we're, we're very honored for the opportunity, so if you're going to be around, um, come see us, but yeah, not. Yeah, but and- J- Jess, Jess called me during a group project meeting, and she like she's FaceTiming me. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm in the middle of something. So I hung up immediately, and then she calls again, and I'm like, I'm busy. And I was like, nope, you must answer me right now. I was like, okay, okay. I guess I could step out of the room for like five minutes. She called. She called me, and she told me the news, and I was like, that's not real. I was like, you're kidding. <laughs> so that is the crazy, exciting podcast news. Um, but besides that, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Go ahead, Jess. And next we have OK Boomer. Oh, I thought you were gonna ask me. Uh, I wanted you to be like, Lindsay, what's our next segment? Uh, we can do that. Would you like to do that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, why don't you stop this? No, you can. No, I, oh, no, you uh, yeah, I'm just okay. going to keep going. So, Lindsay, what's our next segment? <laughs> okay, boomer. Sorry, okay, anyway. <clears throat> Jesus. So, it's my turn to read the terms. And I actually did some prepping, so I, I'm not going to be, like, scrolling through uh, the trending right now. So, trending right now, as of February 26, 2020, the very first word is flow job. Flow job. Yep. So obviously this is some take on a blowjob. Yeah. Blowjob. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Is this when your hair gets in your mouth when you're giving a blowjob? Oh my God, that was such a good one. But no, it's like less sexual than that. Oh God, well now Actually, I feel like my head was in the gutter. It, it was. Um. Okay, my second one I can't say on air because it's definitely not that. Um. <laughs> Could I? Could you use it in a sentence, please? All right. <laughs> this is gonna give it away. Okay, actually, actually, it's fine. Chris, it's a conversation. Chris goes, "Dude, guess what?" Travis goes, "What?" Chris goes, "I got a flow job last night." Travis goes, "Sweet bro, I'm so jealous." That didn't help me at I know. all. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, Lindsay. What is it? When a girl runs her hands through your flow. Like your hair, the flow job. 
<laughs> so nothing to do with blowjobs. No, but it's a play on it's a play on blowjob. I'm okay. Yep, <laughs> moving on. Also, contrary to popular belief, a flow job is not the cutting or trimming of your flow. Just in case you were confused. Thank <clears> you <throat> so much for clarifying. Yeah. Okay, this next one is speaking cursive. This one's funny. Is this when you speak like really fast that your words come together? Okay, you're like really close, but yeah, like almost. I don't know how to get closer than that. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. Last night, Joe was so drunk, I couldn't understand him. It was like he was speaking cursive. Oh, like you can't understand someone that they're speaking so fast and confused and shambled. Yeah, when someone is so drunk and slurring their words that if you wrote it down, wrote it down, it wouldn't be in print. It would be in cursive writing. Mood. Yes. Okay. Um. Okay, last one. Okay. <laughs> glonk. Glonk? Yeah, like G-L-O-N-K, glonk. To glonk you. To hit you over the head. Oh, that was a good guess, but no. To to hit you. It's a, it's a noun. So a person, place, or thing. <laughs> a glonk. Um, so it, it's a lifestyle. To glonk. Yeah. So I've been in bed all day today. What, oh. what level of glonk is this? Like a 10. Super glonky. Yeah, yeah, that would be really glonky because a glonk is la- a lazy person who just like lounges around. Mm-hmm. Glonk, glonk is someone who does absolutely nothing and dies. <laughs> I don't know why the end dies is there, but oh, mood. Oh, it's also the sound a wookie makes. A wookie. Yes. What's Chew- a what's a wookie? Chewbacca. Oh yeah, well, I'm not well versed in the Star Wars. Yeah, apparently not. No. Sorry, <laughs> right, I fucked up. It's fine. Che- Chewbacca glonked as he ran into battle. Could you could you make a glonk noise? No, absolutely not. I have I I don't watch Star Wars either. You looked like you might try to attempt one. Yeah, I thought about it, and then I was like, absolutely not. I'm not going to embarrass myself. Okay, fine. Well, that's it for this segment of Okay Boomer. Jess, you did you did not too shabby, except when your head was in the gutter for the first one. But okay, well, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You can't win them all. They're usually sexual on Urban Dictionary. That's correct. We've been. We've been good about finding the less sexual ones. You are you're correct. Definitely, definitely less sexual these days. All right, that's it. So stay tuned for our next hard hitting segment. Mm-hmm. And next we have shooting the shit. Yeah, it's just gonna be me and Jess now. So uh, just the two peas in the pod. Oh, enough of that. <laughs> Linz, would you like to introduce our uh, subject tonight? Yeah, we're gonna do drug use and abuse in college. So this episode has been a few weeks coming. Yeah, we've done a lot of research, a lot of interviews, a lot of surveying, and this is going to be the culmination of our work. Some some hard-hitting work here in senior year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so really the inspiration of this podcast comes from a lot of incidents I've personally had um, in regards to drug use. Um, I was in a group chat a while ago now, and... Someone made a comment about being tired and needing to study, and the response was in the group chat, oh, you should just go take an Addy, insinuating Adderall. And I remember thinking to myself, hmm, why was that the response, and why is like is that not like kind of unheard of? And so because I was so surprised about that, I started to think about, you know, do some like kind of basic research 
And what I found was that young people, so in college, aged 18 to 24, are at the highest risk um, for drug abuse, as well as if you're enrolled in a full-time four-year college program, you're actually twice as likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. And that means about one in six people in our age group are living with a substance disorder. That's a lot. Like, I, I, I knew some of the stats, but, like, that's a lot. So from there, I was like, okay, I feel like we need to kind of, like, dive into this topic. Yeah. So, like the pod does, <laughs> we put out a hard-hitting research survey. Yeah, and we got a lot of responses, which was really exciting. 165 responses. Yes. Um, so, our of the 165 results, our primary ages are sophomores, juniors, and seniors in college. Um, we also had a few responses from graduate students, um, as well as fifth years and postgrads. So we got to those responses were interesting as well. Um, but we split. If you didn't get to take the survey, I apologize. I really tried to send it to everybody I knew. <laughs> um, but we saw a breakdown of about sixty-ish percent female, um, thirty-eight percent male, um, and about one percent non-binary or prefer not to say. And so we'd obviously like to get that even more equal in the future, but this was an improvement from our last survey. Yeah, so that was exciting. <laughs> so the first drug we did was alcohol. Alcohol was a drug, in case you didn't know. It is. It's a depressant. Yep, it is a depressant. I learned that in sixth grade health. Yep. <laughs> so of the 165 responses... of people said they used alcohol frequently, meaning multiple times a week. Right, which is a lot, but honestly not unsurprising given like our own drinking habits, I would say, you know, because I I was definitely not surprised by that result, but I was like, oh, that's like a lot because, you know, when you think about it, specifically senior year, you know, we're going out Wednesday for dollar drinks and then we're going out Thursday because that's the weekend and no one has class on Friday and then we're going out Friday night and then some people decide to drink all day Saturday. And so again, that was like, when you think about it, you actually are putting a lot of uh, poison, literally poison into your body. And I think what's frustrating for me is thinking about the real disconnect between you know the academia side of it so when we are required to take these like ed alcohol edu courses or like anything like that it's like if you take more than three drinks a night or a week or whatever you're you are like high user of alcohol which is which is true but i feel like kind of is isolating to people where they're just like oh whatever like i'm above that it's no big deal because in this survey we had um actually four percent of participants uh, participants in the survey say they use alcohol every single day. Yeah, and like whether or not that's like a drink or like more than one drink, you know. That is slightly something of concern. Um, but from here on out, so alcohol I wouldn't say was like our big heavy hitter. Like we could talk about alcohol in its own topic, but we really were focused on, you know, illicit drugs. So in particular, we looked at marijuana, cocaine, um, non-prescription Adderall and Ritalin, so a steady drug, and non-prescription Xanax. And, like, while, you know, weed isn't... Weed is becoming more legal. It's a state-by-state basis, and in the state of Pennsylvania, it is illegal. Right. So, of the 165 responses, 40% of people say they used it occasionally, 10% say they use it frequently, and 25 people in our survey, so about 15%, said they use it every single day. Wow. 
But like, that's what I've, I feel like I've noticed that with people who, you know, smoke weed. If they do it, they're going to like do it and they're going to smoke every day and they're going to like get up in the morning and smoke before they go to bed. Um, and just thinking that this is like, you know, I think as we're shifting to weed becoming more legal in a lot of states, we're getting this like kind of two levels. So they're putting people are putting weed and we saw this in our survey responses. People are putting weed and alcohol in the same column now and then like cocaine, prescription pills, et cetera, in their own column. So weed has kind of begun to bridge over to the legality side of it, which I think is why we're seeing these like pretty honest survey responses. Right. And I and, you know, people are like, oh, weed's not that bad. Well, because like also like weed hasn't killed anybody, you know, alcohol. I don't know the stat, but a lot of people die a year from uh, binge drinking and, and alcohol. So I think it's really interesting that, you know, weed is a little bit more of a taboo kind of substance than alcohol is when you think about it. I mean, not so much anymore, but it definitely used to be. So then moving on to the stats on cocaine um, in the survey. So we see prim- are the most of our survey responses. So 61% of people said they've never used cocaine, but a solid 32% said they use cocaine occasionally. And cocaine is like very illegal. No, yeah. At no time will cocaine be legal in our lifetime. Right. So thinking about, you know, how people have made cocaine as an acceptable substance that is highly illegal that you could, you know, I guess for any drug you can get a possession charge and have that on your record. But right. to me, the to me, the jump between weed and cocaine is like massive. Yeah. Yes. And it's so interesting that, I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it later, but, you know, pe- people are so casual with cocaine, particularly on college campuses. So I think... You know, that that number is more than I expected, but still not completely unsurprising. Um, so the next one was the non-prescription study drug. So this is actually a lot lower than I thought. Only um, 23.8% of people said they use um, non-prescription study drugs occasionally, which I, to me, that felt lower. Because I feel like you hear it all the time, like, oh, I'm going to take an Adderall. Oh, I have a big test. Oh, I have a big project. Like, I'm going to take an Adderall and this in the library for however long. And, you know, just bang it out. So I thought that was interesting. And we saw this similarly with non-prescription Xanax. Um, so only 10% of people said they used non-prescription Xanax occasionally. Oh, interesting. That's lower than than I thought, for sure. Yeah, and so, but... but because on, people are always like, oh, like, let's do a bar. I, I don't know. I feel like I hear that all the time. And so the results are very interesting. Yeah, and on the normality scale, we're seeing about 40% of our participants saying that it's a 4 on normal, so highly normal, um, like using like using, using drugs. Okay, um, but what was most interesting about this survey was, in fact, not just the pie charts, but instead we asked people their own specific perception on drugs and drug use in college, and we actually got a lot of very interesting responses. And those comments really led me to think about themes. <laughs> so really. In tandem with our research study, um, I actually interviewed someone from uh, the counseling center at school um, who specializes in substance abuse of students um, so that we could kind of have an uh, official opinion that wasn't just our Google form. Right. Um, And so one of the things that kind of my first big theme is like the normalization of drugs in college. Right. So, Linz, when you think about 
you know, drugs in college, normalization of drugs in college. What do you what do you think about? Um, personally, I feel like it's extremely normalized. I whether or not like that should be the case is, you know, still up in the air for me, but I think a lot of people think that it, it that it is normal, that, you know, like weed is normal. Okay, yeah. But that cocaine is normal. People, you know, at date parties in in particular are like, oh, do you want to go to the bathroom? Like, do a bump, like, et cetera. And, and that is such a normal thing to hear that, you know, you're kind of, um, I guess, immune to it. You're not you're not so much affected by it because it because it is so normal. What kind of things do you think kind of create that sense of normality? Just the sh- like. I would say, I guess the amount of people like there are so many people like that was just a small like what we read was a small sample of people. But it feels to me like there are a lot of people who do it uh, because we do go to a small school. So like even if they, the amount of people who, you know, do these illicit drugs are small, it feels like a lot. So that's why, you know, and and particularly you're doing these drugs like sometimes like when you're drunk like for example cocaine you're like oh like let's go do a bump and so everyone feels like it's okay because you know you're drunk and you know you have more confidence to like do things so yeah so when i talked to gabby and stephanie in the counseling center both of them said that a big thing that contributes to this like sense of normalcy is the kind of social support so like having a sustained and um stable social system in college is like so vital for success and so if doing drugs in a group or being okay to be around drugs like creates this like sense of belonging or like commonality in groups you know that big social support is kind of one thing that really drives people to create like it's fine that people are doing drugs in the bathroom or it's fine that someone's smoking weed every day um so that's like kind of a really big part of that um and i think another thing that really leads into it is that We've made partying part of a college routine. So it is it is the routine. (laughs) So like 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 we just said at the beginning, like we're going out three ish times per week at minimum. And we've accepted that as our normal. Right. And when you think that like that's half the week, three to four days, that's literally half the week that you're consuming alcohol. And, you know, especially I think what makes it worst oftentimes is the perception in like both media, TV, like like think of Animal House. Like, yeah. that is a movie, and people are like, college is like Animal House. Like, brr, brr. And I'm like, that's a ridiculous movie where they break everything and they put, don't they like shoot a horse in the principal's thing? Yeah, like, it's yeah something like that. Yeah. But like, we then hear things like, it's not alcoholism until you graduate, or it's just Coke, or it's just part of the college experience to use drugs. And I think that is where we kind of have this big disconnect. Yeah, no, definitely, because it's it's more than just anything you know when you're doing an illegal drug one as you know illegal as cocaine like you don't just do it I in my opinion yeah and so one of the responses we got um this person said um I've been exposed to drugs at such a high level and so frequently that it's just become part of my college life I feel like the two are inseparable when date parties roll around it's cocaine exam time it's an Adderall any day ending in Y is weed my own feeling toward it is everything in moderation. But my thing is like, wow, can every can can illegal drugs be done in moderation? Uh, is there a safe way to recreationally use drugs? 
I, I think some drugs, I don't think all drugs, like cocaine, I don't know if there's a safe way to do that, especially, you know, with all the recent developments about fentanyl and that being laced into cocaine, um, you, you can never be too sure. Um, you know, weed is something that is becoming legal, and I, like, I personally don't have, you know, anything against it, and I think that when you, when, because it is becoming more legal, despite it not being legal in the state of Pennsylvania, I, I feel like it's not, I guess, that big a deal. Yeah, but I think that's, like, think about that in terms of, like, we've, we accepted alcohol as, like, the legal drug in the U.S. Like, it's fine, like, it's no big deal, you can... You can drink and whatever. That's our accepted vice. Um, And that's now starting to happen with weed. So who's to say, like, I guess my thought process is what decides the drug is going to become more normalized? Because to me, someone smoking in front of me, I probably won't bat an eyelash. But if you do coke, I definitely probably be more on edge about it. So what is creating that sense of normalcy? Like, why are we chill about coke, but weed's uh, chill about weed, but coke's more like, ugh. Right, and and for for a lot of people, coke isn't like uh like a, a lot of people um, feel the same way about coke as you do about weed. So, you know, I think it depends on everyone's personal views on it, which is hard to gauge. But I don't know if there's ever going to be like a I don't know I don't know the word I'm looking for. So this kind of leads me to probably my most in doing all this research and talking to all these people thinking about what is the line of use and abuse so when you think like how would you find use versus abuse lens uh that's tough like i definitely think it's like a per person thing yeah absolutely like but you know basically to get you the official criteria of use versus abuse i was gonna say like specifically with alcohol i feel like you know your limits i feel like you know when you're abusing alcohol and you're getting like too drunk you know, I, there's this whole concept of, like, drink to get drunk kind of thing, which is, like, oh, is that acceptable? But, like, does anyone really like the taste of alcohol? I mean, I do. But, like, a lot of people don't. A lot of people are, like, just drinking to get drunk. So even in that sense, like, is that abuse? Like, drinking to get drunk. I think it's interesting because I think it depends on why you are drinking to get drunk. Oh, are you drinking to get drunk to avoid a sense of mental health? Are you drinking to get drunk so that you can engage sexually or romantically in someone? Are you drinking to get drunk because you have like a trauma or something that you need to overcome? Because that, I would say, that's abuse because you're ab- yes. you're you're utilizing a substance to prevent or get over or move past something else. So that to me is abuse. Yes. Um, but the official criteria from our friends, uh, Stephanie and Gabby says, you know, one, do you experience withdrawal symptoms? Whether that's a mental oh, withdrawal, a physical withdrawal, do you need it more and more? Like, is the level you were at no longer meeting your needs? So you need to increase the level. Do you feel like you cannot quit? Like, there's no, like, you can't imagine your life without it. You can't imagine being able to pull back from it. Um, that is all, like, is it causing just, like, is it causing you distress? Or is it causing you, like, functional impairment? Or you can't do something? You cannot function in the world unless you get up and smoke a blunt. That's what abuse is, definitionally. Right, Okay. But I would say a lot of people in college would say they're using drugs that in a definition we would say is abuse, which brings me to truly my most my question that I no matter how much research I've done, when you use an illegal drug, 
such as cocaine? Is it always abuse or can you use it? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I I feel like specifically with an illegal drug such as cocaine, I feel like you're always abusing it. I feel like regardless of how little you use it, I think every time you use it, it is abuse. But that's just like, that's just my personal statement. Um, And then even like that with like prescription drugs that are not prescribed to you. Yeah, and I think specifically for cocaine before I moved to prescription drugs, you know, I think even people who would say, well, I only use Coke at day party three times a year. I still think that's abuse because you've now linked it with an event. Yeah. Like you're doing it at an event every time you engage in that event. Right. And that's like a habitual pattern. And so I would think that's abuse too. It's tough for me, you know, according to the DSM, which creates these substance abuse um, guidelines. What is the DSM? So the DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Okay. So... The DSM, like, basically says any illegal drug is abuse. But for me, I really tried to, like, dispute that. But I have yet to be able to find an opportunity to where I think about specifically a drug like cocaine where you're not abusing it. Because with weed, I guess it's a little different because we're moving towards this legality piece. But with cocaine, which will never be legal, is my best guess, I guess. <laughs> but, like, can, I don't think that that can be used no i'm on the same page with you and not that like using it makes you like a bad person no and this (laughs) is like no judgment like yeah like truly like if you are using these drugs and you're listening to this and you're like ugh, jess and Lindsay on their high horse about drugs no i'm not judging you everyone i think that's a big thing that this survey really put out is everyone's like well they're adults they make their choices totally yes absolutely you can listen to this podcast and go out and do your drugs as you please i'm not policing you I just want to have the conversation about it. Yeah. And I want to have, that's the whole point of this. So yeah. I'm not judging you. If you're listening, Mary and I, and you're like, Jess sounds so judgy. I'm not judging you. No, we're just, we're just talking about we're it. We're just talking about it. So I think one interesting point was people said, well, it's, it's all in moderation, you know? Okay. Which is like true to an extent. Yeah. But when you're dealing again with an illegal drug, is there such thing as moderation? In my opinion, no. But, like, alcohol weed, again, like, I'm assuming weed is legal in this sense. Then, like, yeah, moderation is good. But what what is the line of moderation, you know? Like, there are, there are stats everywhere about, you know, like, okay, three drinks a night, you know, within three hours is fine. But we all know that, like, you're pounding back, like, three white claws in an hour. So... And then, and then and you're fine about it. So it, it's tough between, like, your own personal view and then, like, what society says or what like actual like science says um but i don't know if there's necessarily any data about weed you know about marijuana use so i think that's like starting in the last few years to really come up with like longitudinal studies looking at you know the impacts of marijuana but i think when it you know and i think there's no way to use a non-prescription study drug or non-prescription xanax i think if you're using those study drugs then it's always abuse because it's not prescribed to you. Yeah, absolutely. And like, oh, the people who are using Adderall need it to get up to a certain level. If you're using Adderall and you're not prescribed to it, you're going above that level. So it's like, I I don't know, people are using it to like function normally and you're using it to like function better, which is like, 
like you know, it's like steroids, you know. And it's like thank you so much for this segue, Lynn. Yeah. This was beautiful. So <laughs> one thing that I really thought about a lot when talking to people who used Adderall specifically um, for a medical, like they have a prescription, they use it for a medical diagnosis, was a lot of them really said this, it creates like a culture of shame for them where they feel embarrassed to say they use them, um, that they feel like because so many people abuse Adderall, they're feeling like they're now like, they're not worthy of using it for their medical need or that like everyone's assuming they're using it illegally even though they're prescribed that and that really makes people feel a sense of shame around their diagnosis and around their prescription um you know specifically somebody wrote i find drug i find drugs that enhance memory and allow people to study more really unfair when not used by a person who's prescribed for it so basically someone using it non like non-prescription or illegally looking look at it from a classroom perspective those kids are getting medical help to get better grades without putting in all the work that someone who does not use those drugs puts in. It's like cheating to a certain extent. So I think that's really important because we're talking about, you know, that does give you a leg up. It yeah, gives you absolutely. A, a high sense of concentration. And if you're not prescribed to it, you are getting a leg up. And why can't we just think truly about like st- studying more or like, why do we all have to cut the corner and use an illegal drug? Because, it, I don't know, I, not that I think some people are lazy, but I do think a lot of people are lazy, and they want to use the stay drug to get their work done faster and then go party, because that's because that's what college revolves around. In my opinion, anyway, I feel like everyone is always looking, okay, well, when's the next time I could drink? Okay, I want to get this done so I could start drinking. Oh, oh, I want to get this done so I could go out to the bars or, oh, go to the party and, you know, do whatever they want to do. So I think, you know, they're using it to get their shit done faster. Yeah, and I think to go back to what I was saying about this culture of shame, it really creates, like, this ability to, to be like, well, everyone's abusing it. Like, everyone's. Like, right, well, you think it, you think they are, but then, like, only, like, 28% of the people, like, are abusing it. So it's like... But, but but because it's so normalized, like, you think everybody is. Yeah, and, like, I mean, it's, like, super illegal to buy some, to buy and sell your prescription drugs. I was going to say, you're drug dealing. You're it's a drug a, dealer. It is straight-up drug dealing. <laughs> Even though your pediatrician, maybe, he prescribed it to you, you still, it's not good. And I think this really kind of also leads into this. This was a huge theme for me. This idea that there's reality versus college. Now, college isn't reality. Oh, yeah, it's a bubble. Like that we live in this cute little college bubble where any decision... Where there are, like, no rules. <laughs> there are no rules. So, like, a lot of people use this type of language as, like, using drugs as a temporary issue or you're having a temporary drug problem. Right, but then you get to, like, the real world and then people are saying... You know, you have older friends, like, oh, everyone does drugs. Like, on Wall Street, everyone does drugs. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> And that, but think about where that started. At college. I feel like most people didn't show up, you know, to whatever company and like pop, popped a pill. (laughs) Pop, pop Molly, I'm sweating. Woo! (laughs) For the first time. Like that happened before then. People knew those things before then. And so college is like this huge part of your identity development and shaping who you are as a person. And right now our brains are still pretty highly malleable and Therefore, it's really easy to mess up your pleasure centers. Like, 
doing drugs like causes you to have like an increase in many of your pleasure centers so you're that's how you become addicted to it right you know particularly before 25 before your brain is fully developed and so i think by creating this like idea that college is this world where you can make bad choices and do whatever the fuck you want and drink and do drugs and whatever nothing will impact you really i think contributes to the normalization of drugs right like you feel kind of invincible when when you're doing like these drugs and when you're drinking alcohol like particularly in college you're like well i could do whatever i want i'm invincible i can i could drink this much i can you know do this many drugs and like still be okay and when in reality like all that shit has long-term effects on you you know like i'm sure my liver doesn't appreciate me you know drinking three to four times a week yeah, like a person here said, people think they're only going to do it in college and they'll graduate, move on and cut it out of your life. But I found that people think that way and it never goes to plan and it becomes a truly major issue going forward. Is that a postgraduate student? Yes. Okay. So that actually came from a postgraduate student. Um, so taking a moment, like if you're used to, you know, doing coke once a weekend and then or, you know, once a month and then you're in the real world where those opportunities to act that way aren't there anymore, you're going to start doing it in appropriate settings potentially right yeah and you're gonna find you're gonna find a means to an end kind of because like you could get any of that shit anywhere you know if you really like look hard enough and you need it like when you go back to the the abuse definition that the dms gave like you feel like you need it you know you're gonna you're gonna find it because because it's out there and you know so one, this is one person's survey response that really piqued my interest. So it says, obviously doing drugs is not the healthiest thing, but college students live unhealthy lives. Sleep deprivation, stress, poor eating habits, the list of, the list of unhealthy habits that college students fall into in order to remain successful is quite extensive. Drinking and drugs are an unhealthy solution to balance the two out. Wow, that's very interesting. So I actually know who submitted this. And because I ended up talking about their submission with them. But thinking about, you know, is we've accepted these other, you know, sleep deprivation, eating poorly to have this means to get an A. So we're put under this huge pressure bubble where it's like, okay, like we're going to, we want to do well so we can get a job. So we're going to be stressed all the time, which causes you a variety of health issues. We're going to eat badly and blah, blah, blah. And we've decided that, you know, in college, particularly these drugs and alcohol are ways we cope with that. Yeah, it's, it's a release. You know, you get to the weekend after working so hard all week that it's like, okay, fuck it. Like, let's pool, you know. So does that set us, does this, can we just add drugs and alcohol to this list of unhealthy behaviors we already engage? Like, what's the difference between you know, doing drugs and sleep deprivation. Like, they both are negative impacts on your health. Right. No. And, and I think I think everything's unhealthy in, in that sense. And we use it as a way to cope with the unhealthiness. And we don't have any, like, healthy coping mechanisms. Like, oh, maybe catch up on sleep on the weekend as opposed to, like, drinking until 2 in the morning. And, you know, like, I'm not perfect about it. You know, I could definitely, like, get more sleep, you know, have better better habits. But it's... It's tough because, you know, you having fun with your friends sometimes revolves around drinking and you want to, like, sit back and relax, but, okay, you're going to have a drink with it. You're going to watch the Democratic debate and play a drinking game to it. You know, you, you can, there is 
all these little nuances where alcohol is prevalent and drugs are prevalent and you think it's normal and and it's like not quite yeah and i think that i don't know if i particularly agree that eating unhealthy and sleep deprivation are on the same level as doing an illegal drug but i think his the point is really interesting that we are we've accepted certain bad behaviors as a part of this college bubble yeah and you know from the outside sleep deprivation would kind of get like tossed to the side by while well, someone would pay more attention to doing an illegal drug but really it's all in this like bad behaviors in this college bubble so i guess my question for you which is not exactly an easy question is you know how do we <laughs> how do we pop the bubble like how do we create an understanding that your choices in college will have that lasting impact on you yeah <laughs> that is a tough question i don't know i think uh, you know, sometimes my answer, you know, is more education. But does anyone else, does anyone really want more education on the effects of, like, alcohol and drugs? I feel like we get enough of that and no one really listens to it. So it's like, well, where do you go from there? You, you know, it's, I guess, maybe showing the long-term effects. Sometimes that, like, scares people into, like, behaving better. But even even so, it's it's difficult to kind of pinpoint what we could do to be better. So I asked <laughs> Stephanie and So why Gabby, would you make me give this ridiculous answer? I just wanted to wanted to stretch your brain lens. Okay, well, so how I did I do? Them. How did I do? I said, how do we change the culture of college? How do we start, you know, really de-rooting the idea that this is normal? This is like cool and fine in college. And she said, or they said, you know, starting the conversation. Like we're doing it right now. Oh my God. Spending time talking about specific things within that topic, hearing it peer to peer. Because as you just said, we see a lot of alcohol and drug, you know, talks or information. And I'm going to be honest, at this point, I filter it out. I stopped listening. And so, but I think we're more likely to accept some kind of information from a peer. Oh, absolutely. Or like have these conversations with a peer about your drug use because. You know, if we're we're pushing back on each other, we're conscious about our actions, you know, those are the kind of things that create a cultural change. If like you and I, you and I or people in general say that, you know, when I see a first year student feeling like pressured to engage in those drugs, being like, it's not like you don't have to like this is the real life, the way it looks like there are plenty of people in the school who've never done cocaine or never engaged in an illegal drug. And I think Another really important thing they pointed out is being okay to tap your friend when you're like, this has gone too far. Or like, your behavior is scaring me. Or this is not okay. Like, how do we, like, for some people that's easy to be like, yo, I think you have a problem. Right, but that's hard. Uh, particularly people who are shy and then they're going to use alcohol to like give them that liquid confidence to be like, hey, by the way, you're drinking too much alcohol. I'm drinking alcohol to tell you that you're drinking too much alcohol, you know? And then it's like, well, shit. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Yeah. No. But I think their really big thing is like, how do we, we need to change that culture by having the conversation. By, because they're saying, you know, when I asked, like, really, what percentage do you see that come in to talk to you? And they said it was relatively low for illicit drugs because people are so afraid to talk about it. They feel shameful that they've gotten to a point where they're feeling addicted. They feel shameful that they, you know, are using these drugs. They're afraid they're going to get in trouble. So rarely, do they see students coming in to talk about substance abuse that isn't like a mandated school counseling because they, you know, got right. cited? Yeah. So 
how do we start? I think that's really the question is like, how do we change our culture? How do we get people to get the help they need? And how do we be advocates for each other to live healthier? Because we don't live in this bubble. This bubble will pop in unfortunately too short of time for you and I. (laughs) And, you know, how does this impact you in the real world? And one thing, you know, a lot of people said this repeatedly is like on the survey, especially post-grads that like, you're going to get into the real world, but your decisions and choices come with you. And, you know, the, the Stephanie and Gabby both said, you know, when they see a transition to the real world, it's a self-medication process. Like you're using these illegal drugs oftentimes as like to cope with something else. Because I think even people who are recreationally using something like if someone occasionally smokes weed or occasionally does coke or occasionally drinks a lot in one <laughs> night, there's a reason for it. You don't go out and, you know, black out or smoke all day if you don't do that regularly for no reason. Like, I feel like there's usually something underlying and people always have shit underlying. So how do we get a like, how do we start to think about how our choices will impact us long term? Yeah. And it's tough. So the peer to peer thing is good. But obviously you're like, it's it's hard to kind of narrow down when it gets to like that certain breaking point where you're like oh like this is getting unhealthy where you need to like say something and I think starting the conversation is helpful but it's also you don't want to come off as like preachy and I think it's hard to think about like I think there's definitely people in my life who I've been concerned about at one point or another in college but there was always a nagging thought in my back of my head that was like well it's college right that's such a yeah that mindset is it's so like terrible harm- it's so harmful like my acceptance of or me feeling like the odd one out if I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Or no, like, I don't do X, Y, Z drug. Like, when it should realistically be the opposite. The opposite in what sense? Like, if someone offers me an illegal drug or any kind of drug and I say no. Oh, you feel like I you feel should. uncomfortable. Oh, when okay. realistically, they should feel uncomfortable because they're doing the illegal drug, not right. me. Right, who's exactly. not doing the illegal right. drug. Right, uh, okay, that makes sense. And I think we really need to tackle this in a way that like some of these responses in the survey were like it's fine it's no big deal like whatever like it's normal like yeah like drugs are cool quote unquote but that that's not like we we want to be better people than that yeah we want to you know i think accepting where we're at is never good for anything we always have to push that envelope to say you know yo, we can do more than this. Right. Understanding where you're at is important so that you can, you know, like you said, push the envelope and kind of discuss further about, like, why, where we're at isn't okay. Yeah, but, I mean, overall, this has been very insightful. I feel like people have had a lot of really awesome things to say about this, you know. I I think almost every single one of the responses was, wow, I never thought of it from that point of view. So, like, thanks for sharing. Yeah, and it's, you know, we really appreciate everyone who took our survey. It really allowed us to think about, you know, think long and hard about, you know, why these, why as humans we feel the need to alter ourselves and why we have accepted this as the norm in college and how do we, you know, really push back against that. Yeah. That's all. That's all we got for you from the hard-hitting part of the, the pod. Yeah, so... If you have thoughts 
and what we had to say or you're like i absolutely disagree with you jess you're so judgy (laughs) hit me up i'd love to chat with you about it yeah definitely but that's it for this episode of sorry we're open yeah so again if you want to be a guest hit our line follow us on instagram at sorry we're open podcast and um come see us at the podcast festival march 28th saturday 12 p.m put it in your calendars right now we all know you have those google calendars i'm telepathically looking at your hand put it in your calendar (laughs) we're gonna set we're gonna personally send everybody who listens to this a Google Calendar invite. <laughs> I'm actually going to send the whole school a Google Calendar invite. Oh my God, invite. can you imagine? <laughs> it would be amazing. Um, but thanks for listening. Have a great week.